As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. I am Nick Baumgartner, along with Chris Burke. And Chris, we have a 53-man roster to talk about today. Uh, took the Lions right up until the 4 p.m. deadline, Chris, and I got a feeling we're not done talking about <laughs> any moving and shaking. Uh, how are you feeling here after the <laughs> initial, initial wave, I suppose? Uh, well, first of all, I have to apologize for last week's episode because I, uh, I got a new laptop. Oh, yeah, that's right. And <laughs> I uh, clearly didn't know how, don't know how to use it yet because I thought I was muting myself every time you were talking, and apparently I was, like, launching nuclear codes. <laughs> on my- You were, like, playing a video game on your typing. <laughs> yeah. I was rolling through like a Tecmo Super Bowl season <laughs> while you were talking, so I apologize to everyone for that. Uh, awesome. I'll try to do better tonight, uh, but yeah, um, no promises. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty interesting. I mean, yeah. some of the stuff we had talked. I mean, I, there weren't a ton of surprises, but there were enough surprises to kind of make you pause and right. kind of reevaluate how we were thinking they might approach this roster because it's really. It's really interesting. I mean, right. we know they're going to keep making moves, but they come out of it. They cut both tight ends. There's no kicker at the moment. Yep. They're uh, traded for like, a receiver. I traded for a receiver and kept six kept receivers six. for the moment. Uh, and I tweeted out, too, that their oldest cornerback right now is 25-year-old Amani right. Oroworie. So they got rid of Cornelder and Nikel Roby Coleman. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's they're leaning into – a lot of their youth and a lot of the guys that they've chosen. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting. Have you watched any man uh, Trinity, Trinity no. Benson? Tape I, no, All I right. saw his, I saw his profile and I saw like his, uh, uh, what Dane wrote. I think I saw you tweeted that too. Uh, what Dane wrote about him when he came out yep. um, a couple years ago. So, I mean, like it's a guy that I think people were high on in the NFL, but you know, Denver's kind of, got a slog there of a bunch of dudes that are just kind of like, there's nowhere for this guy to go. So maybe he's a, you know, it's, it's funny. I saw the Eagles release Travis, Travis Fulgham, right? <laughs> Today. So like, I mean, maybe you're looking for somebody, maybe he's something like that, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, at the end, surprise, uh, keeping Kennedy almost felt surprising to me too, but um. I don't know. I mean, this was a weird deal in, in a couple different ways, but I almost feel like we kind of thought it would be like this, you know, where it was like 
there are no sacred cows here. There's like nobody here that you're like, well, you can't get rid of him. You know, you yeah, couldn't, you right. can't, you can't like, like, I think we were all a little surprised by Ty- Tyrell Crosby, I guess. But like at the same time, like not really. I mean, they really haven't <laughs> said anything that would like, well, lead us to believe that they even like him. So it's like. I think we were surprised because as we've well, talked right, about yeah. a bunch, there's like no one on that offensive right, exactly. line. They're going to have to add. I mean, I don't, that's a spot where they. Like even the something. three guys they kept, like Nelson, yeah. Stenberg, and Evan Brown. Like I think they'll keep Stenberg at this point, and maybe you keep Evan Brown. But I wouldn't be surprised if they flipped over like every backup spot between now and Week yeah. Four. You know, it just feels like one right. of those deals. But yeah, I mean, that one was surprising. The Mike Ford one, I think, was the most surprising one for me, frankly, just because mm-hmm. he played really well in the preseason game, except for the one play where he gave up like a seventy-yard pass. Uh, right. And he's been so good on special teams, and they clearly have put a priority on special teams that I thought that would help him stick, but they went with, you know, they they went with Jacobs, uh, UDFA that they brought in, and Bobby Price, who the previous regime brought in, but they flipped his position. So uh, I I don't know that, like, Mike Ford is a good guy, and he's really good on special teams, but that we saw him at corner. Yeah. He wasn't good at corner in training camp, so... <laughs> Got to reward the guys who play, so, who were playing well. Let's just let's just stay with the defense here first as we go through this kind of because you mentioned corner, you mentioned Amani being the oldest guy at twenty five, uh, and you look at the guys who currently obviously they've got you know they cut Roby Coleman, they cut Cornelder. We weren't really surprised by Cornelder. I don't think we were really surprised. I guess by Roby Coleman or Ford, maybe a little more by Ford, right? But like I think we both talked that like, it was certainly possible those guys got cut. But yeah. when you get to the bottom here, you were looking at Bobby Price is on the team still. Um, Jacobs. And like, when you look at this, like, how does this shake out? I guess when you, <laughs> what's going to happen? I don't here, know. Chris? I, I mean, like, no I idea. don't know <laughs> what to make in this quarterback situation other than like you said, it can't, are they going to go out there and just say, look, Okuda, Owarie, Parker, and someone else. Sink or swim, we'll figure it out. Oh, Fanwu, yeah, and I then guess. we'll and then we'll see what. I mean, are the, is that the plan? Is to just sort of, and it, maybe that is. I don't know, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I you don't know, know when you go forward here, is the plan <laughs> sort of to go into the season with these guys and say, look, like we burned the boats. Okay, there's nobody here <laughs> behind you. There's no, you know, there's nobody here older that's going to take reps from you if you screw up. Nobody's coming to get you, so it's you and nobody else. Is that the plan? Maybe it is. I don't know. Like, there's been parts of me. Over this like last month and a half, as we've thought about this, like this clean as you go rebuild, they're not trying to win the division, but they're also not trying to w- lose every game. So it's like you're you're in the middle, <laughs> you're in the middle here, and like corner is one where you just throw all the names on the board, and you're like, this can't be the roster they go into game one with, right? But maybe it is. I mean, so I would ask you, like, you look at this, and what was your or- original reaction, sort of, when we saw the cuts, and then I don't know, thoughts <laughs> as they yeah. go forward here at corner. Yeah, it's really interesting. I almost wonder if that's a position because the NFL has all these weird rules. And one of them is that if a veteran, you know, a vested veteran, like if he's not on the roster for week one, like you can sign, you see, there's usually a bunch of signings after week one because then teams can get those guys without guaranteeing Mm -hmm. their salaries for the year. And right. so I wonder if maybe that, like, in week two, we're going to see him pick somebody up, or maybe they go on waivers. I, I don't know. I mean, it's really – because you're right. I just don't yeah. – like, at this point, you're starting – we knew they were going to probably start Okuda and Oro Worrier right. outside. A.J. Parker, I think, has won the starting job in the slot. I do, too. But 
Yeah, you're right. Like if you get in a pinch in week one and you have to use Melifonmu or God forbid Bobby I, Price, like Bobby Price cannot play in week one from what we've seen. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be one of their gunners yeah. on special teams. Uh, he's a ridiculous athlete. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's converting from safety to corner. So maybe he ends up playing like kind of a Melifonmu type role in this defense where you see him doing both but mm-hmm. you cannot throw him out there no. against the 49ers or the Packers and expect to hang in that game so I don't know I mean again and Jerry Jacobs too like he had a good camp and he's mm-hmm. uh, gonna get out there and compete for you but like you said at some point like you can't just have 53 guys who are gonna scratch and claw and every down like right. you gotta have yeah. some actual talent out there and even Campbell said that like you can't build the whole team out of right you know these guys with chips on their shoulders like you gotta have legitimate players and so i i don't know i mean, I wonder if that's a spot where they still add but at the same time like they just cut two veterans you yeah. know they could have kept roby coleman i don't think anyone would have been stunned if they kept roby coleman no and like jacobs is a great example where it's like you know obviously they saw something there they you know they liked him at the very beginning of camp but like is this just going to be one of these things where they just is Aaron? Is this an Aaron Glenn situation where he's saying if they don't sign somebody else before then, is he looking at Okuda and Amani and Parker and maybe even a Jerry Jacobs sort of in the eye and saying like I think there's something in here and we're going to find out right now because I'm not I'm not going to let you play with the net I'm not going to let you do anything else I'm going to make you go out there and do it like I don't is part of me wonders if there's some of that happening here but I'm also kind of like they're not going to just go into a season if they think all these guys are going to get roasted with no help coming behind them. Right. <laughs> right. So they must, right. they must, like, I mean, Aaron Glenn and Pleasant they, must think highly of at least two of these guys, right? Like, as, as they're going <laughs> forward here, I would say. Otherwise, like, what are we talking about? Like, that's kind of what I'm wondering here is, as we talk about this whole thing. Safety, too. Like, it's the same conversation with both sides. And wide receiver. And, yeah, right. like, there's a lot of spots here where we're going to find out just how good this coaching staff actually is. And I think, yeah. uh, like... Both coordinators, obviously, but wide receiver. I mean, Tyrell Williams has like 195, 197 career catches. Mm-hmm. The next most receptions on this roster is Quintus Cephas, who had 20 last year. Right. Khalif Raymond had, has like 19. St. Brown's obviously never played a game. Uh, Kennedy has like, what, a couple, maybe one or two, maybe? And Tr- Trinity Benson's never played a regular right. season game. And those are your six right now. So there's a lot of spots here. Where you're asking, you're asking guys who have never done this before to step in and play well, and you're asking a coaching staff to really immediately develop these talents. And they they've said this like from day one. And when we talk, like I talked to Campbell uh, pretty early after he got hired, we talked to Glenn and Lynn, and they've said this like we know we're going to have to play mm-hmm. some of these guys oh, and yeah. just accelerate the development and. You know, trial by fire. They'll have to get better just by being out there. And if it works, you set yourself up really well for the future. And if it doesn't work, you're losing like 49 to 7 in week two. And so it's it's tough. Like this is asking a lot of this staff. And again, they're they're clearly going to make some more moves here, but it's a pretty interesting initial 53. It is. And it's like, you know, I, I think about it and, and you, you know, you get down to the hair split and then you're like, okay, well, if it was AJ Parker versus Mike Ford in the final conversation and you're like, well, if you're just going to look at that in a vacuum and say, well, we know what Mike Ford 
can give us, and it's not really overwhelming anybody. So let's just take a chance on Parker. Let's, you know, I understand that. Like, I understand that in a sure. lot of areas on the roster. You know, Godwin, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys. Yeah. Charles Harris, um, that you're like, you know, hey, if it's somebody that, if it's th- this guy with kind of a trait that we really like versus, you know, but we don't know yet versus a guy that, you know, we know and it's like, whatever, get rid of the guy that's whatever. But at the same time, like you're saying, like, they're going to be throwing a lot of youth out here and you're going to be really leaning hard on. And I think this is your point, Chris. I think this is this is the point that makes the most uh, thing to hold on to here is that you're going to be really relying on the staff to provide a lot of the veteran guidance that you would normally get in a locker room from, uh, you know, veterans in the position room, I think. I think that that might be part of what we see here, right? Like, you're relying on Aubrey Pleasant to be, like, part of that shoulder to lean on for all these guys. And I don't know how that works, but like, I think part of it's going to have to be if they roll with all these young guys that the the staff is going to have to take on a larger role, like you said, in terms of how are you going to roll through the punches here? Because there's going to be a lot of them and you're going to have to, you're going to have to gut it out. If this is the 53 or anything close to it that you go in and obviously it's going to change, but like in a lot of these areas, it can't change that much. I mean, this well, that, is this is pretty much the core, right? I mean, I would assume. And that's one of the really interesting things about how they've set up the staff, because I think you're right. I mean, I think that these guys are playing like two roles here. You know, yeah, like they're, veteran teammate, they're the almost, coach, you know? but yeah. you're yeah, you are the veteran. Like you're the leader of that position group, and it's mm-hmm. really like you're gonna need. We've seen Okuda kind of develop. You're gonna need like Derek Barnes. I think can step into a leadership role. Like you need those guys, obviously, to come up and do it, but. If things start to derail a little bit, yeah, it's got to be Aubrey Pleasant's got to get in there and settle everyone down. Yeah. And and Antoine randall has got to get the receivers feeling confident. Like, I think that is really, it's a really unique, really interesting setup for this staff. Um, that, because I think you're right. I think they do have to kind of juggle both roles here and... Uh, maybe it works. Maybe they're really onto something here. Well, and, I mean, look at if, if he, you know. we're talking about corners, right? Not to cut you off, but I mean, we're talking about corners. And we're talking about Aubrey Pleasant and Aaron Glenn on the staff. And yeah. if Aubrey Pleasant and Aaron Glenn went to Dan Campbell and said, "Give me those six guys, I'll make it work," he's probably like, "Okay, done." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. it probably wasn't a hard conversation because I think that's the relationship, right? That the staff kind of has. Sorry, go ahead, continue there. No, no, no. I, I think you're right. And uh, I think I was done with oh, my point. No anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you're right. I think that that probably I, those the conversations had to be interesting. But the other part of this that we talked about is that like once you get past the projected starters and a handful of the other guys on the two deep. Uh-huh. There wasn't a, there's like, if you were to pick out whoever you think is the 30th most talented guy currently on the roster and you look at the first guy they cut, that's, it's not the type of gap that you'd be talking about on a contending team. Like it's, it's kind of split in hairs. Like, uh, you know, Crosby versus Matt Nelson. Right. I mean, all right. (laughs) It's not a big gap. Bruce Hector against. Kevin Strong and like even further down the list, oh, you know, some of the like, uh, I don't know, some of those wide receivers, even like Javon McKinley to me is not way off what they no. would have gotten, you know, uh, no. Tom Kennedy. Uh, so they're different guys, obviously, different players. But I mean, I just think that that can make for 
uh, I'm sure it can make for some difficult conversations and some of these surprises that we see pop up because, you know, there just isn't uh, like there aren't 53 guys necessarily who separated themselves. There's not. And I think that that's the ultimate takeaway that we we tried to explain a thousand times, right? Where it was like, it was hard to explain it, but it was like after a handful of dudes, like the conversation you're having between players is like, well, <laughs> like I, I don't know what to compare it to, but it's like there was just so many across the roster that it was just going to come down to personal preference in some cases. And then also like we've talked about so many times, like you know, are you a guy that the franchise can still, you know, is is already invested in whether this, you know, this organi- or this uh, regime invested that money or not? You know, that's probably a factor when a guy like Stenberg, right, where it's like not that Stenberg was took a spot of someone else that maybe necessarily deserved it, but they were going to probably you know, lean more toward he's got if he shows us anything, we'll be ready to keep him because he's a draft pick, right? I mean, like that's part of these conversations too, but also Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts on this before we get too far away here on this, like the message I think that they've sent to the team um, here, and I'm talking about Holmes and Campbell with the cuts who made it and who didn't all the 53 on here, every guy, including the punter and the long snapper (laughs) had a good camp. Every single guy I think that's on this list for the most part, I don't know if there's anybody on here that we would say, boy, he had a bad camp. He shouldn't be on the list. We don't always see that. And I think that for, and of course, Trinity Benson, we can't really say that about, but for the stage that they're at right now and and everything they're asking of these guys to kind of buy in, like, I don't think that's irrelevant. I don't think we're probably going to ever talk about that enough, but I do think that that's something that should be noted here. Like, Perriman didn't do anything in camp? Cut. Both kickers sucked? Cut. Like, we're not just going to give you a spot. Like, Right, so Crosby. I think that that's I mean, Crosby. he said that was right. the answer exactly. for Crosby. Why isn't Crosby on this roster? Well, he wasn't one of our best guys in uh, camp. All right, move on. Right? <laughs> that's like, it. You're done. I think done. that that's, you know, they've talked about, Campbell talked Monday about, you know, we and it was a different, I thought it was a little bit of a different vibe from Campbell on Monday. I don't know why, but it was like, in previous days with him, we've heard, we've seen the kind of exasperate, like exhausted Campbell when he talks about the cuts, like, God, I hate this. You know, all this stuff, which I'm, you know, of course he does. Right. But it was also like, you could tell they were toward the back end of figuring this out and had already kind of made some of these decisions. And it was just like, this is what it is. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to just give guys a pass in here because we paid them a little bit more and they just didn't do anything in camp. We're just going to look the other way and keep them here because three years ago they started 16 games. Like, we're not doing that. We said we weren't going to do it and we're not going to do it and we didn't do it. And if nothing else, I think that that says something to the guys that are here you know, about the leadership and, and the guys are going to go to work with here. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think there were probably a couple guys that were hard for Campbell to probably get rid so. of and that they yeah. might try to get back on the pre- – like Jalen Elliott to me is a guy mm-hmm. I know they liked. He played fine. He was good on special teams. He was out there all the time. Like that. that's one. I'm sure Tavai was a tough cut for them too because they liked Tavai. They asked him to drop 25 pounds and he dropped 25 pounds yep. and he came back and he worked hard. So I'm sure there were some of those. Craig Reynolds too is another sure. one I'm sure that they – you know, again, maybe you throw them on the practice squad, but um, to your point, yeah, I think they did try as best they could to reward the guys who deserve this. And I think that also what you're talking about there, just the emotional part of it, I think by the end of this, we started to hear him get frustrated mm-hmm. with the guys that he kept kind of prodding and right. saying, well, you got to get, we got to get going exactly. here. You got to do something. Paraman. Crosby was hurt for a long time. They threw him back out there, and, and that rep 
where he gave up the sack, everyone talked about Sewell. Yeah, it was that was one of the worst reps we've seen in preseason for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like that. I don't know. Mike Ford again, and Mike Ford played really well at the end of the preseason. I think he kind of rose to that challenge sure. where he said, "We got to, we got to. If you want to make this team, you got to come play." But again, he gave up a sixty whatever it was yard pass. He wasn't very good for three, four weeks before that. Right. So I think you move on, and this offensive lineman like. I don't think we ever thought Darren Paolo was going to make this team. No. Uh, you know, I, there's there's not a lot of guys here that I look at and say, wow, I don't really understand that or no, I don't right. really understand the process behind it. I mean, I think there's a couple guys here that I don't – again, like I don't know if Bobby Price is going to hold on when they start – if they start finding guys on waivers. I don't know where you're going to play him. I don't know that like – Penasini or Nick Williams, like you're married to those guys yeah. on the defensive line. But yeah, I think they tried to reward people who played well in camp. And I think that that should should count for something when they get back to camp next year. They don't have to do their speeches all over again. Right. Just, exactly. Look, here's, here's how we did it. Yeah. And you know now. Exactly. Let's go through it. Let's just go through the whole chart here um, because there's probably something to note in every one of them. And Chris wrote a uh, 53 thoughts on everybody. Um that's already up, so you can go check that out for sure this week. Uh, quarterback, of course, we can start there. Tim Boyle uh, reports today that it was a six- to eight-week injury with the thumb, um, which is better than season-ending. I think we both talked about, you know, certainly they could probably put him on IR and create a roster spot, but they were going to take three anyway. I mean, what's your read on this Blau situation? And then would you? I guess we would expect the, <laughs> the IR uh, thing coming here. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Whatever, I guess, is my opinion there. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, I was sort of looking at the other Jeez. quarterbacks that were hitting the wire, and I right. think that no. maybe if they want to go with three, it's possible they go grab someone. I certainly was looking at, like, a couple of those guys, the Rams. You know, yeah. like Bryce Perkins was in the Rams camp and, and played pretty well. And, um, you know, just sort of looking around at some of those guys. It wouldn't surprise me if they brought one of those guys back or just threw Do- Jordan Tiamu on practice squad or something. Um they again they like Boyle they like Blau I think it makes sense to keep three in the current environment um but I you know I don't know that they like lose anything necessarily by not having Tim Boyle available for six weeks I think David Blau is fine as a backup and Mm -hmm. Jared Goff's gonna start so uh if you get Goff hurt I I mean you're gonna be in the same spot either way so I I think that that's fine I think that made sense all along that they go with three yeah Um, I would agree with that I don't know. Would you have cut him? Like this no, is. No. I think this makes sense, yeah, right? This makes Just sense. to throw him on IR. This makes sense, especially given the situation. Like it would have been probably a more difficult conversation for them actually if he hadn't gotten hurt. Because if he True. hadn't gotten yeah, hurt, right. I still think he was the two. I mean, people got all up in arms about how he had a bad game against Pittsburgh, and they're like, well, "I think Boyle's ahead of him." I'm like, "No, Boyle's going to be the number two. <laughs> That's why they signed him." I feel. I felt like that was just how it was going to be. But I actually think, in a weird way, obviously, you don't want him to get hurt, but like. In a weird way, this might make it easier for the time being uh, as they kind of go forward. And then, like you said, there's nobody that popped up that you were like, oh, God, you know, you got to go get him. So sort of is what it is there. Running back, no surprises. They do keep Jefferson. I I, I don't think we would say that uh, Godwin's a surprise given how he finished camp, uh, though notable, I suppose. that, And he was certainly a guy that when we talk about cutting deeper at other positions, I know we talked about that last week, kicker being one and then, you know, maybe even corner. You know, he would be a guy that probably his name comes up because I would think that if you're just going to do one through 53, there's a guy that probably is toward the back end. Whereas a guy like Kabinda, 
you know, we knew he was going to be here and Jefferson probably as well. Yeah. And again, I think that goes to rewarding guys yeah, who right. played well. You know, Iguabuke has been, uh, he, he's someone you can use on special teams. I, he, it's possible he's their kick returner. I would think he would be one. Yeah. Um, and, and he played really well down the stretch and yeah, it gives you something on special teams. It was one. I don't ever, people kept bringing up Jefferson as being on the bubble and no, I didn't really no ever way. feel like Jefferson was on the bubble. Like that was a guy they really liked when they drafted. He did everything the way they described that he would do it yep, <laughs> and he yep. looked good in this offense. And it, so that one to me, I like, I think you're almost at the other end of the spectrum with him where it's like, well, we should try to get him some touches because right. he kind of fits this offense pretty well. So um, that the only thing with Iguabuke is, yeah, like like you said, if you get down to 51, 52, uh, you like what he did, you like his upside, I don't know where he's going to play. Like he, right. You it, might not even have him active exactly. most weeks um, unless you just want him to return kicks. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think – I think everything made sense there. And as I mentioned in the, in the piece, which – uh, I guess I'll toss out that subscriptions are 50% there off right now if you need one. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> we saw Jason Cabinda play some tight end in the preseason, right. so we might see him do some of that too now that they're down to two tight ends. Yeah, I was just going to say we can, we can touch on that now before we get to that section, but obviously we talked a lot about, probably way more than we needed to, about the third t- tight end battle that was just a bunch <laughs> of just a bunch of guys who just could not – nobody wanted it. And it was another one of those where I was just like – that's but that's another situation where you looked at it and you're like, okay, logic would say – you have Kabinda, who you know you're keeping. They love him. He's playing fullback. He's playing H-back. He's playing special teams. He can do a lot of the things the third tight end is going to do anyway. Don't keep one of them just to keep them. So the fact that they cut both of them, Mac and Wright, I had no problem with. I was like, that's no. totally exactly what the move should have been. And, and, you know, that's probably jumping ahead to the tight end spot. But, I mean, I think that that's, that should be noted here, too. Yeah, and we can skip yeah, going back to wide receivers. Uh, you know, I, and Mac was another one of those guys that Campbell multiple times. Like, we really like what he could do, mm-hmm. but he's young. He hasn't played. This has got to start clicking for him pretty soon. And by the end, it really felt like I, we had Brock Wright as the guy on our that. roster. Like, we thought Brock Wright was going to jump in and, and grab that third tight end spot because it never really got going for Mac the way that they – we're hoping it was going to right. and so again it was well let's not reward a guy who didn't perform up to expectations no uh we'll figure it out if we go with two tight ends and cabinda all right that's what we'll go with and it'll save us a roster spot on game day right also notable that elise mack and dan campbell have a prior history of working together right he was involved i think in the draft process with him knows him was fond of him and they still got him <laughs> like i think that that's we right. talked so much people focused so much on when these guys got here, because of the Patriots stuff with Patricia, they just brought every single guy that got released from the franchise over here, and it didn't matter how you performed, you were on the team. And you just got – these guys got inundated, Campbell and the staff, really, with like, are you just going to bring guys in here that you know and you're just going to give them jobs? And he's like, well, I mean, we're going to bring guys in here that we know, but we're not just going to give them jobs. And I think here we are uh, on almost September 1st, and that has held up, which – Hey, like, that's not nothing. I mean, I know I'm probably beating a dead horse with that, but that's, I think that's uh, somewhat relevant. Okay, on to receivers. I mean, I think we all agree here that St. Brown, Leaf Raymond, Darrell Williams, and probably Cephas were safe. And after that, it was kind of a toss-up. I am a little surprised they kept Kennedy. I know we touched on that earlier. Are you surprised they kept Kennedy? And then have you watched any Trinity Benson enough to to know much about what, what they're getting here? Uh, I have watched a little Trinity Benson, uh, including back his college tape. Oh, and I, I mentioned in the uh, 
in the 53 thoughts. Like, I think he's a guy like when I'm thinking back to some of the stuff they did with St. Brown in camp where they were using him on jet sweeps and they were motioning him through and then screening to him. Like now you have a guy with four, four speed you could give some of those touches to. And so I think maybe he comes into play there. Maybe you put him outside. Maybe, you know, they cut Perriman and maybe they said, well, we still need someone who can get vertical outside. And so maybe he fills that role and just gives you like 15, 20 snaps a game where, you know, you give him a couple throws on the perimeter and you toss it deep once or twice and hope he can, you know, bust one here and there. Um, but again, that's a guy who hasn't played a regular season game in the NFL. He has no catches. He's, you know, he was like off the uh, really kind of out of the picture in Denver and then played his way in. So you're, it's sort of the same conversation. You're now rewarding guys who played well in the camp and weren't even in your camp. Like right. this is, you're going out and finding guys who played well. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I think in a way, like if things go well, there's a chance that this receiver group could be really underrated and put up some decent numbers, but on paper, yeah. I mean, I think we can say this is, is this the, this might be the worst receiver group in football on paper. Oh, so absolutely they is, yes. have to, outperform where the expectations are right now. I mean, there was like dozens of receivers' names that came up across the ticker today that I was like, yep, he could help them. He could help them. <laughs> right. He could sign and they him. They still might grab some of him. those guys. I mean, it was yeah. dozens. I mean, not, there was like a hand, there was only a handful of guys that I was like, he won't help. He wouldn't help them. And most of the guys, I was like, yeah, he could probably get some reps, you know, if he came in here. So this is one where I look at receiver and I'm just kind of like, guys, I... I don't know if this is going to be the six. I, you no, know, I don't when, think it I is. don't think so. I don't think this is going to be the six when the when the uh, when the season starts. Um, I don't know if they'll bring someone else in here or whatever. But like, I don't know. I don't know how the configuration is <laughs> all going to work. But this this feels like a tough uh, tough one for me to see. I mean, given all the things that are now out there too. I mean, we talk about places where things might change. I would think that this. We've arrived at one here that you know there, we could see some movement or some change here uh, in the coming days or week. I would think. I mean, I think the f- top four are pretty set. Like you sure. mentioned, Williams, St. Brown, Raymond, and and Cephas. Right. Um, I like. I don't know that you're going to go find someone necessarily to bump those guys out, but uh, certainly I wouldn't feel terrifically comfortable if I was Tom Kennedy. And even mm. you know. Like I assume they have a role that they want Trinity Benson to play here, but people kind of freaked out when they saw that they traded a a fifth and a seventh for Benson and then a future sixth. But that's not yeah right a lot. And no. we've seen the Rams do this a ton, where they value you know getting something that they know for a draft pick. Like, are you going to get? A better player or more guy with more upside in round five or round seven i don't maybe round five um and so you you trade away you know a couple picks that you're probably going to get back for with comp picks and and go get someone who played pretty well and looks like he could help you so i don't think that the price tag um really hurts that much and uh, that's one of the things i like about how the rams operate and that i liked about brad holmes coming in is that he wasn't going to treat draft picks like Right, you can't touchable yeah. gold and currency, <laughs> and I think we saw some of that with the previous regime. Well, I think also the receiver position again. It's another example uh, that they've talked about. You know, their thoughts and how they kind of view the position and how you can manage that roster is 
And it really is smart. I mean, Chris and I both follow the draft pretty intent, pretty close um, and have for quite a while. And we've seen how college football works with so many more receivers, uh, even at the college level, coming in as freshmen that are more and more ready uh, for the game today. And keeping yourself young and cheap at receiver, for the most part, is not the worst idea. And, you know, I I think this is what they're going to do. I think they're always going to be sort of I think the receiver group is always going to be kind of in flux. I think it'll be, you got one or two guys in there that are maybe if they would hope can be pillars, but I think they're always going to try to keep that thing moving until they can find maybe, you know, whatever steal. But I think to the point earlier about a lot of all these other spots, you're not going to just settle on a guy and stay there and just pay him because he's here. I mean, you know, we don't have to give him a new locker code or whatever. Like, but I think in <laughs> right. some of those, yeah, right. that's how they look at the position. I, and honestly, with, with the way that we talk about receiver um, every year, and we have a very difficult time, everyone does, with like tabbing that market. And it's like, what is this guy going to cost? What's that guy going to – no idea. Keeping yourself at the other, other end of that pool is probably not the worst <laughs> thing in the world because it keeps you out of a lot of weird situations. So, you know, I mean, that's the clearly the direction they're going at receiver. I mean, I wouldn't expect them to be investing heavily other than maybe what they did this past year with St. Brown. I could see them doing that again going forward. But that's something that I've thought about even as we get into next draft prep is I don't know if we'll see Holmes jump on a receiver super early or spend a lot of money on one. It just doesn't seem like something they would do, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And some of that might depend on how this little experiment yeah, goes this year. Absolutely. You know, if they get through this year and a lot of things are working and they, they're sitting there at receiver, like with, you know, Tyrell Williams is leading them with like 31 catches. Right. They might spend up a little bit, right. but uh, I, and again, this goes back, as I said at the start, this goes back to kind of the coaching staff discussion for me, because I think Anthony Lynn's going to have to call some really, really good games here. And yes. I talked about, you know, some of the ways they've used St. Brown and some of the ways they'll use Raymond and now Benson like those St. Brown, I think, can run routes and get open. Raymond can run routes and get open. But a lot of the stuff they do in this offense, both because of the receiver and because of the quarterback they have, is going to have to be predetermined. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to figure out where they have an advantage before the snap and run a play that takes takes them to where they need to be yeah. because they're not going to have a lot of plays where you know these guys are going out there and just schooling no. cornerbacks and Goff's getting to his third read and all this stuff. It's just not going to work like that. That's, so, that's 17 play drive stuff. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, folks, <laughs> I don't think that was just preseason. Like, that's how, that's how this is going to have to go, I think. Yeah. I mean, unless we see – like, you know, the way that changes is if, you know, Swift – they find ways to turn Swift into a game breaker, right? Like, that's one way that – or Hawkinson, you know, develops into a guy that is just an X factor, right? Like, those are ways sure. that that changes, but as we look at it right now, it has to be a grind-out offense. Like, Chris, I mean, it has to be. There's no other option. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Offensive line as we move forward here. We already touched on tight ends. <laughs> yeah. No surprises in the top five, but of course we talked to Crosby. No. Um, no, I don't know. This wasn't surprising to me at all. The guys that they kept, I guess you could have argued maybe for a ninth if you wanted to. Um, but also when you look at that, you're kind of like, you probably need to monitor the wire here <laughs> and maybe get some more stable help behind your fifth guy because now suddenly you went from a guy, at least we knew Tyrell Crosby had played before, to we don't know what this is going to be if someone gets hurt. So this is hard because I don't know what they're going to find on the wire here. I mean, like, that's kind of what I'm – I don't know. The Crosby thing is the one that I'm still scratching my head about. It, it, it has to be that they just didn't like his game one way or the other. Maybe the injury plays a factor. But that's one where it's like at least at the very minimum there – you sort of knew what you were getting, but maybe they thought, okay, well, we don't like that. So, you know, maybe there's somebody else out there they want to take a shot on. I don't know, but I feel like something else has to be done here. Your thoughts on that? Well, I guess my last thought on the Crosby thing, um, he was hurt for a while. Like I said, he didn't play well in the preseason, and I think they kind of looked at it. You saw that sack he gave up uh, was that left tackle. I don't know that he can really play left tackle in this league, and they tried him at guard. And maybe they didn't like what they saw at guard, and then he put him at right tackle, and I think Matt Nelson's better than him at right tackle. So yeah. that, what else are you going to do? Right. Like, if that's your, how you're judging it, uh, he's he's kind of played his way out of every position there. So I think from that perspective, it's not shocking. But at the same point, we talked about rewarding guys, and this was one spot where I think, you know, Evan Brown probably did enough to, to – uh, earn his way on and yeah. he played you know every snap in the game at Pittsburgh and that's fine he'll be fine as a as a backup interior guy I think Logan Stenberg definitely earned his way on with how he played down the stretch I don't know that Matt Nelson really earned his way on like I didn't think he was that good at any point and that so to as you were saying this is I think there's probably room to add multiple guys here if they want to go do that because even to get through the season you're going to need some help here. Like it doesn't, it's not, yeah. not from a competitiveness standpoint, like just to survive the year, right. you're probably going to need some extra bodies in there that can play. And I don't know how many of them they have right now. Well, you don't have another tackle. Like, <laughs> like that's right. the, I mean, you, and that's the hardest, that's the hardest spot to add, you know, at this point in terms of what's out there. But I mean, I don't know. That's you're, you're hoping obviously guys stay healthy, but we all know that that's just not, not likely. So I, yeah, I would expect, uh, they probably already have had some heavy, uh, looks at that one, but it'll be also interesting sure. to see who goes back on the squad too on that one. So, um, 
Defensively, flip it over back. We already talked about the back end. Um, we meant you mentioned Hand earlier, uh, and I'm sorry, mentioned Boyle earlier as a guy who could go to IR. Hand, I think we see him in this similar situation. Penasini and Kevin Strong. Um, Penasini is surprising to me. He's maybe another one that I would say is a little bit of surprise. He was hurt in camp. Um, I know that there were times early where he looked a little whatever, but like I, I think back to last year and I remember a guy who could kind of do a little bit of what Danny Shelton gave you and not much else. And I also wondered what else is he giving you? But then again, depth is depth. So I don't know. I mean, that's another one where you're splitting weird hairs and I don't know. I mean, your thoughts on, on the D line then also, I would assume here, because we haven't heard much, but it looks like maybe another IR situation for hand. I mean, until we hear otherwise, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't really see them this week. Um, Thursday, I guess so, we talked to him. Yeah, yeah, we talked to to uh, not to hand. We talked to Holmes and Campbell, but we won't see practice again until next week now. And so I don't know. I mean, last week Dan Campbell said it was going to be a while on hand, and they were kind of crossing their fingers for the start of the year. So um, yeah, maybe you put him on IR, and that gives you a spot. Penasini to me has probably got to be in that bottom handful of guys if you need to free up a spot for something else. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm with you. I mean, I think you know. He can get in there and he can hold the point of attack against the run. I think he did look when he got out there a little bit. He got he did look um, again like we saw a little bit last year, but it showed some quickness and some ability to at least move laterally, which works in this defense. So maybe they like him. And if you're talking about not wanting to pull the plug too early on draft picks with a little bit of upside, uh, he certainly would fall in that conversation. But that's. Uh, that's a spot where it could end up a little bloated. Like if Deshaun Hand can play early in the yeah. year and Michael Brockers is going to be okay to play a bunch and Onzarike stays healthy, like I don't know how many guys – you don't yeah, need you gotta trim. Yeah. seven defensive tackles or whatever number that seven they settled on. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's certainly a spot where they could cut back a bit, I think. I mean, do you think this is a good unit? Like as we talk about this team well, not yeah. being – not being all that good on paper, but it's like better today than it was yeah. a year ago at this time by a lot. I think that we have to say that, right? Like, I don't know if we can say that it's a good unit, but it's certainly more talented today than it was a year ago um, by like leaps and bounds. I mean, you just talked about Levi and McNeil are in the same conversation and that, you know, Anzarika and McNeil are two guys that have the ability to push the pocket from the interior and also help against the run. They had nobody on the team last year that could do that. You know, maybe hand when he was healthy, but like he was really not healthy. So, I mean, Brockers has been hurt, but he's still Michael Brockers. I mean, I think that, you know, what he can give you if he's even remotely healthy is better than most of what we saw last season uh, in here. So I actually think that, and then you go all the way down and we, we talked a ton about Kevin Strong and I know Bruce Hector didn't make the team, but you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see him back on the practice squad. Um, you know, Strong's another one of these examples of a guy that's like he did everything they wanted him to do. You know, what else yep. do you got to do to make this team, right? Like, okay, he made the team. And, he, you know, he helped him. He can play in a couple different spots. Maybe he's a guy who can help him, you know, while hands out. So I think that it's um, – in we talked about, you know, little wins. Like running back is better today than it was. Offensive line, at least the starting five, looks like it's in moving in a better direction. Um, you like what you've seen from Derek Barnes. And I think that we can say – in one short year, hard to not like what they've done with the defensive line here, I think, right? I think that it was a real big area. If we could think back to December and January um, about where the roster was and all the things that they needed to sort of fix, 
knowing that they weren't going to fix everything in a year and knowing that a lot of things were going to take longer than others. Like, they made a lot of progress here, I think, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, I think there's a lot to be sort of excited about if you're the Lions up here at this position because there's some guys in here that can do some things. Yeah, I would agree. Um, are you surprised it wasn't Hector no. over Penasini or Strong uh, Over Penasini, yeah, but, like, also not over Strong. Um, over Penasini, I am a little surprised. Uh, but I also do wonder again, like like you said earlier, like, is he a guy that's just here until they find a kicker that they like and have to cut into the roster? And, you know, I think that he is probably toward the bottom of the 53. So, I mean, in that case, I don't know. You know, maybe I don't, I'm not sure. Hector had to be tough yeah, because of so. what we were talking about at the camp. start. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a good camp and he, they put him out there in every spot and he performed in every spot and he would, took a bunch of snaps in preseason and he did his job. So, like, that had to be one. And Campbell mentioned... At one point, like he's going to make this difficult on us because I don't think they even really expected no, him to come in and compete for a job. And then yeah. he wound up playing his way out of the bubble. So, like you said, I think if they can get him back on the practice squad, they certainly would try to do that. But that was that was one that I'm sure was a little trickier because they did try to reward guys who uh, who played well and who did what they wanted. And he, I mean, I, there's nothing really you can knock him on for what he did over right. the last month. Right, agree with that. Um, we mentioned corner, really no surprises at safety. Marlowe makes the team. We knew we've kind of figured CJ Moore would as well, but it's a similar conversation. I want to ask you this as we kind of go forward here, and I know that most of today was spent talking about the guys. Wanna, sorry, go ahead. Do you want to get linebacker real oh, quick? Oh, do we miss? We oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just because <laughs> I don't know if that covers right, your yes, thoughts on the fault. linebackers. Yeah, linebackers. We Pitt, them, Pittman but. makes it, which I don't think we were shocked at. Beckett wouldn't be no. surprised at all if he's back on the practice squad. Nobody thought Tavai would make it. But at the same time, like, this is as good as I think you could have done, uh, frankly, with what they what they had in camp. Uh, but I also don't know, like, I'm having a hard time. The hardest thing I have with this one is how much is Derek Barnes going to play? How many reps are you getting him, right? Like, how many – because it's been weird or interesting to see in camp how much work he had with the threes, you know? Like, and I know that a lot of that was because they wanted to see more from Tavai and all this, but, like – I am now interested to see as we go forward here, is he going to play a ton in week one? I mean, I don't know. Like, that's a big question I have for linebacker. That was my biggest question here because I'm not really, there's not really anything that I think was shocking uh, as how this played out. I mean, I think he's going to have to play some because I don't know that you can really, like Jalen Reeves Maven to me is more a special teams guy at this point. And Pittman, I think, like Pittman, I think you could throw out there and get a few snaps from, but he certainly is not giving you what Derek Barnes gives you. So this is another spot to me. I mean, I mentioned, uh, looked like Micah, I was just trying to check, Micah Kaiser was on the outs in uh, LA. So he got cut by the Rams. Like that's a guy who tested really well. You know, it was part of the Brad Holmes scouting experience, uh, made that pick. He's played pretty well in a starting role. Like I think that this is a spot where you could at least go get one more guy who could help you week one if you needed to and maybe take quite a bit of snaps because again like uh Barnes is here for the long term and maybe you turn Pittman into something yeah. but this isn't this position is as unsettled going forward as as just about any on the the roster because you know Anzalone has never played more than 50% of his team snaps in a season and they're going to like never pull him off the field <laughs> Right. So how long is that going to last, you know? and uh, But I think I, I that, know. again, like so much of this this year is exactly exactly that. It's the, well, we'll find out. 
we're going to just take the bet and take the right. ride and yeah. see. And I think that that's so much of what they're doing kind of across the board. And like you mentioned Pittman and another example of a guy who comes in here undrafted, outperforms a second round draft pick, takes his job. Easy. Like <laughs> no politics, nothing else done. He's out. Tobias out. Pittman's in. Like that's how this is going to go moving forward. And some of those were like, that's an easy one because like, to buy at this point, I'm not sure how you could have justified it, but like little thing notable to me that they kind of singled out Tavante Beckett too. But these are little things. I think when I look at you're asking guys on this roster to buy into a program a little bit, right? Like you're asking them to sort of pull together and make this less about individual stuff and more about team stuff, which is hard to do in pro football sometimes. So you've got to be honest with guys. And, um, my biggest takeaway on all this stuff, and Pittman reminds it to me again, it's like they went through it and it was an honest evaluation of nothing else. I think that's that's the best thing I could say about it is that there was nothing here that we could sit here and say like, boy, that guy had a terrible camp and there's no reason why he's on this roster right now. And when we say that, everyone in the locker room says it. Like, I think those are things that people don't think about a lot. And these little things sometimes can add up. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that <laughs> Pittman's one of those that like, I don't want to keep talking about the last regime, but it's just one of those where like you give him a little credit for finding Anthony Pittman at, at coming out of Wayne state mm-hmm. and seeing some upside in this guy. But they also played him a lot, like pretty much exclusively on the edge of that Matt Patricia defense. And he just got clobbered <laughs> over and over and over again to the point there. It was kind of surprising. He was still here, even yeah. still on the roster as Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell right. got here. And then they get in and you, this new staff says, well, what about, what if we try him inside? And you move him inside, and now he suddenly looks like a football player, a depth guy. Like he looks like someone you could put out there, and he's a solid tackler. He seemed like he was starting to read plays at the end of preseason. Yeah. Uh, and so the just, there's been a bunch of these little examples, Igwebuke, um, you know, of where they, kind of tweak some stuff that was here and made it better tweak some of these little things and 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 seen something in these guys that maybe you take them from well this is just, Pittman's just a body in camp to well, now he belonged on the 53 I think so and uh, he's that's gonna run through a plate glass window yeah, right, for you 100 and so will Jerry Jacobs and so will Bobby Price and so will all of these guys and I think that that is really sort of the thing I think that as we sort of look at this, Chris, again, from like the the top going back in, like talking so much this year about you got to make sure all the guys are still in the basket here, you know, when September ends and October ends and everybody's still like on board for the mission. And it's like that is such an important thing as they go through this. And frankly, I think it's it's worth noting that there hasn't been a ton of like what we would call my god that was a really hard decision but there's been some and I think that for the most part here um there's been some hiccups here and there but like they've been honest all the way to this point and they've been straightforward with everything that they said they were going to do and I think that that's something I think that's something to at least applaud to a degree it's not anything to celebrate or hang a banner about but I mean like a lot of times these regimes start and you get six months in and you're like, the hell's going on here? <laughs> like It's a completely different scenario or they're doing something that you're like, I don't understand this. The logic theme yeah. has continued to hold up across the board and everything they've done. Everything they've done to, to this point right now as we sit and talk has been pretty logical. I haven't had a hard time sort of understanding it. And I, I wanted to sort of get your thoughts as we kind of 
wrap up camp here on if you're in the same sort of boat I am in that uh, we don't get surprised by these guys an awful lot. We do, but we don't get like blown away or shocked or like, we didn't see that coming because a lot of the stuff that we're seeing from them makes just a lot of football sense. And I think that that's positive at this point. I will say I was a little surprised they cut both kickers. I will give okay, them that well, one. You know, for, they caught me off guard yeah. with that one. <laughs> but it wasn't impossible, um, and you knew it wasn't impossible, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and again, right. like if you're rewarding who had a good camp, it's not them. Yeah, right. They weren't good. <laughs> no. Like Bullock was fine. I think he probably would have made. Yeah, he was like marginal for you. Yeah, like not like, enough for what we you were. were <laughs> yeah, no way. We were out there a lot of days, and they would have kicks that were like just crawling Horrible. over the crossbar, yeah, right. and you're like, how? What yard line are they on? And it was like the 32. <laughs> right. you're like, like, what is? Well, we've got three on beat writers here? on ladders squinting out to see if that was a 34-yard kick that he missed oh, by eight no. yards or a 37-yard kick. Like, that's how it went. Every single beat writer <laughs> in camp looked up Jack Fox's place-kicking uh, notes. So I assume they'll so, bring okay. in a kicker. Yeah. That one surprised me a tiny bit. But, yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I think this has been pretty consistent all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, even, and even the stuff that I have pointed out, you know, on here or in this post is being kind of surprising me is stuff where they didn't get caught off guard. Like the offensive line thing is I'm like Anthony Lynn, when we talked to him in was like, like early April, it's like, well, we got to find some more offensive line depth. And he's pretty much said the same thing every time he's talked since then. Yeah. Campbell's brought it up. And so now you're going to go into this waiver wire and say, well, all right, can we bring in a couple guys that can help us? And you sure you would have liked to knock that off a little earlier. You would have liked Crosby to play really well or, uh, Evan Heim to play really well or something like that. But this wasn't something where they were saying, well, we have 10 guys here that are great. And exactly. now you get to the yeah. end of August. And you're like, what the hell happened? There were five guys right. just bottomed out. They knew this was going to be a challenge. And so now you figure out the next way to move forward. And I think Perriman falls in that discussion too. Like I mentioned, uh, I, I put out on Twitter that I, that was like the first real swing and a miss for mm-hmm. Brad Holmes and people got mad at me like uh, it wasn't a swing like he gave they didn't it was one year they were just taking a flyer and like right. to me that was one well yeah it, it was, was it was short term it wasn't a ton of money but they guaranteed almost all of it two million bucks yeah. to be a starter they never found yes. someone else who was going to come in and push him really for that starting job and so when you cut him you had to go figure out something else. And that's really the only example I have where you kind of draw the lines from April to now and say, okay, they didn't necessarily prepare a contingency plan there. Uh, that one in kicker. Everywhere else. But other than that, yeah. And kicker. All right. I'll get you. So yeah, two. But everywhere else, I think they've been in a, they've had a pretty good understanding of what their strengths and weaknesses were at every spot on the roster. And so that's, mm-hmm. again, that's, encouraging and now you kind of see what's the next wave here who comes who comes in on the waivers how do all these young guys play in like 10 days when they have to go play a game uh this is all part of the judgment process but i think like you said i don't i think that they've had a a pretty good plan here and it seems like they're going to stick to it sticking to it and i think that this is the year that you can do that you know and i think that they understand you know, and that's the fascinating thing as they walk forward here. And like, as we, we talk about, like I was, you know, we can ask about, you know, who do you think they can pick up or what areas, but I mean, like every single thing remains the same. Like any addition they bring in here can't, can't infringe on the development of a younger guy who's going to be here. 
right? Like all the things, all those things we've talked about all year have to be brought into account with every single situation. I mean, obviously you can go out, if you're looking for a swing tackle, that is what it is. But, you know, I mean, if we're talking, you know, if you're trying to find another receiver that's going to take reps from St. Brown, I don't want that. I'd rather have St. Brown. Like if you're going to take, if you're looking for for another linebacker that's going to take something from, or or a corner that's even in the same, like if it's something that you want Melifonwu to do, no, leave it alone. Let him do it. Like, let's see what some of these guys can do to a degree. And maybe, like I said at the beginning, maybe this is a little bit of Campbell and Holmes being like, okay, man, like our staff likes these guys. For the most part, obviously, we know there's still going to be some tweaks, but for the most part, this is the core. And maybe there is a little bit of like, let's take the net out and let's really put our faith into them and show them and leave no doubt that we trust them completely and see what happens here. Because what do we really have to lose? Like, if they get smoked in the first couple games, what's really going to change here? You know <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, right. nothing. So, in that sense, I understand some of that too. And I am curious to see sort of how that goes because I do think if this is how they're going to go forward here, if they don't go back over the next couple of weeks and just like go over all these spots we've talked about and just bring in veterans as like stop gaps, if they let some of these guys go without a net, like some of them are going to surprise them and they're going to find some players in here. They'll be uh, regretting some of them too, but like some of them are going to surprise them and they're going to find some guys, you know, like that's, that's how you do it. That's how you find guys in the NFL. You got to let them go out there and do it. And so I do think we're going to see some of that. I do think you're going to see some guys kind of walk on the plank that first game being like, let's see it. Jerry Jacobs, you're the two deep now, man. Let's see what you got. And I don't know. Like, we're going to see how it goes. I think that's the situation. It's it's a w- weird deal in the NFL, but uh, it's going to be a weird year. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, the la- just to build on that, the last thing I'll say is I think that this sort of goes to the point that they've been making all along, which is just... We want to compete. We want to yeah. get out there. We're going to play hard, but we know what we're facing here. Yes. <laughs> and so, like you said, like if Nikel Roby Coleman is not playing as well as AJ Parker and to keep him on the roster, you're going to have to cut Jerry Jacobs. No. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. Like, I don't, why do that? Why keep a guy, a veteran who's going to be here for one year and who frankly isn't even playing that well right. when you can keep one of these young guys around and just see what they've got. And I think that, that you could carry that as far back as like the Kenny Galladay discussion. Yes. Like, what are you going to get from him for $18 million for two years when you're not very good? Like, <laughs> let's get someone else in here and see what we can do. And see so if you can get I, a better think, team. Right, exactly. Right. And so I think that that has held throughout. And like you said, I think that that's going to be key. And anyone else they bring in here has to... Um, not take away reps from those young guys, but also understand what's happening here. You don't want to bring someone in here that's not gonna, not gonna get this. Thousand percent. Like they need to know what is happening here, and I, I think we've seen a pretty good judge of judgment of character from the front office so far too. So that's the best um, point to make because, and I'll leave my last thought at this. Campbell said the other day when somebody was asking him about Tom Kennedy and Perriman, like I trust Tom Kennedy. Like, and he looked at whoever was asking. He's like, "Do you trust?" You know, like. Does that make sense? And they're like, yes, that makes sense. When they say that, I think it's like, I trust Tom Kennedy as a football player, but also like the thing you just said, like there cannot be one guy in the 53 that's not like all about what's going on here. Like everybody has to be about exactly where they're going and what they're doing and what they're trying to do. Nobody can be looking at it with like that sideways, like, well, this is stupid, but at least they're paying me. Like you can't have that. Like, I mean, it just can't happen. So every guy on the team right now, on the 53 that you go with has to be somebody that's taken ownership a little bit of this, of this rebuild. That's how it has to go. So 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said, but I think that's the most important thing to note as they go forward here. You cannot bring people in here that are going to hijack your process or get in the way of it. And um, sometimes that's not even something that you can blame the guy on. Sometimes the guy, that person might be in a different situation for themselves, but like, hey, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. It's got to be about, you know, we've got things to do here, and if you fit in that, great. If not, we got to go on. And so far, that's what they've stuck to. And really, I think if you're a fan or an observer, that's all you can ask for is, you know, you're nine months in and they haven't pulled any serious curveballs on you to a point where you're like, well, that's not what you said you were going to do. And I don't know, Chris, I mean, we look back and obviously we don't want to keep looking back (laughs) too much, but I mean, it didn't take that long before we had questions about the last regime. We're about to start week one. And I mean, I feel like the list is shorter as we're about to start week one. I mean, I'm just, maybe I'm, maybe that's recency bias, but I mean, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. And people would point out to us that when the previous regime came in, you know, it, I guess you probably weren't, yeah. weren't guilty of this because you weren't here. Yet. <laughs> but, you know, like there's oh, there's always an effort when there's a regime change to kind of at least from the media side to kind of understand oh, of what, what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And so there was some of that for sure at the start of the Matt Patricia era of, well, this is what he did wants in New do. England. This yeah. is what he wants to do here. And, and I think that, you know, that's just sort of how we operate in the media. But at some point, yeah, you were like, well, this doesn't look... This no, yeah. It's kind of clunky and this doesn't seem like it's taken taken on very well and so uh There's no yeah, I mean, just I, trust me's going on here. Like just trust me he's a good player. No, no, no. Have we seen it? No, just trust me. No, none of that. We we right. either see it or we don't. Yeah. Yeah, and we've talked about that all along. Like mm-hmm. this is just a totally different approach to it, a totally different mentality and all that stuff about well everyone's in a better mood and everyone's uh you know, everyone's happier. A lot of that comes from the trust they're getting back from the coaching staff in saying, here's what it's going to be. You can be a part of this too, though. You have to tell us what's not working. Exactly. Tell us what's working. Like he just come out, talk to your coaches, talk to the other players. There's so much more. That was one of the things I already said I was making my last point. So this will be my second <laughs> last point, my addendum. Um, that was one of the things that jumped out to me more than anything at camp. It's just how much uh-huh. players we're communicating with other players and players are communicating with coaches because we saw none of that with the previous group. Yeah. Uh, It was just so much, it was everywhere all the time. And I think that that um, is such a big deal and you can only have that if your players trust you and trust the way you're handling things. And so far it's been all positive on that front. 100%. Don't disagree with any of that. And I think that's a good place to wrap it up here as um, we'll have one more preseason podcast right next week, I guess, because they're not playing. I'm all my schedules are we'll messed up here because of college <laughs> and everything. But um, yeah, so we'll get one more next week and then, uh, my God, away we go. There there won't be a ton, I guess, in terms of day to day is like, like Chris said earlier, we don't have anything with these guys until Thursday. Um, so we'll sort of see, I guess, anything else coming up that I'm missing here that's uh, that people should be anticipating before. Uh, I don't think so. I think we're pretty much... I don't think so. I mean, we're working on some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can get turned around before the season. But yeah, otherwise, uh, you can go enjoy the big house on Saturday. Be there you at, go. Uh, press box and yep. <laughs> I'll, wait for, I'll wait for the week after. Sounds good. Well, uh, we will talk to you guys next week, I'm sure, on Tuesdays, of course, because as you know, and we always stick to our word on our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> our scheduling schedule. <laughs> what time is it? Uh, it is it still it's Tuesday? still Tuesday at 7.38 on the, in the East as we're wrapping up here, but... Tuesdays as we go forward here for the rest of the year, we promise. I think we have no choice, so we have to do it on Tuesdays as for the rest of the year. That'll be how it goes. And of course, we always appreciate everyone's interest and kind words about the show. 
Until next time, be good to each other. For Chris, I'm Nick. We'll talk to you guys later. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.